Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. We are joined here today in pure awesomeness. That's right. I said pure awesomeness. We're going to be talking about some great, a great topic today. I tell you what, Fad Diets 101. You guys have asked for it. I'm bringing you the show today because we're going to continue to do better. We're going to move better collectively. I want, at the end of the day, of course, those of you that keep joining us here on Two Health with Dr. G, we want you to have the resources to be successful in all aspects of your health because when you have success in your health, you're more than likely to have success in your life. Absolutely true. Again, welcome back. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital. I'm also a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. That's right, lifestyle medicine. That's what it's all about. I'm so excited to welcome everybody back here today to another episode of Tear Health with Dr. G. I have some fierce guests today. And again, it's all about you. That's why my wife and I created this show, Tear Health with Dr. G, to make sure that you, again, succeed. We don't want any failure anymore. You know, there's, we're faced by too many too many chronic disease burdens that are preventable through lifestyle and realize this your daily choices matter more than most of us think so we got to talk about it. that's why i love doing this show each and every week to keep the conversation going on and again i don't want anybody to let this conversation die down the most important thing you can do today is share this show share the message we want engagement turn that inaction into action. You're joining us here live on Facebook or at Intellectual Radio Studios. Check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. And I check this out. I'm so excited. So, fad diet. So, here's the deal. We're going to break it down. You guys have been seeing all my stuff on social media this week, talking about just the, not only my fierce guests, but talking about getting this opportunity that lies right in front of our faces. An opportunity to live better, to feel better, to enjoy your life, to prioritize the important things that you've got going on for you. To make your health just awesome, as I said in a few months ago, pure awesomeness, because I love having these kind of great discussions with some awesome people. So you're going to hear it today. We're going to talk about nutrition, without a doubt, Fad Diets 101. We're going to talk about what the evidence says. We're going to talk about really how to make those changes, how to take those first steps to, to better your health. I put something out on social media the other day about the cigarette diets in the, in the 1920s and the cabbage soup diets back in the 1950s. You know what? Fad diets are here to stay, but we're going to set the record straight again. We're all about building trust and delivering truth. So here we go. Before we introduce my guest, I want to read you a quick disclaimer. The content of Two Year Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So my panel is fierce as always. I love it. And I have a connection with each of these guests today, and I cannot wait for them to tell you their story. They really care about your health and what you want to do. They want to get you to that next level. If you're kind of stuck in mediocrity with your health, they're going to inspire you to take it to the next level. Again, the opportunities are right in front of our face. We cannot let these opportunities go unchecked. We've got to do what we've got to do. So I'm so excited. Let me introduce my guest to you. My first guest, he and I go way back. Uh, longtime friend of mine, colleague, just expert. He's a lifestyle medicine enthusiast like me. I want to introduce my good friend, Dr. John Saran. Let me read his credentials. Dr. John Saran, great friend of mine. He's a board-certified internist with Edward Elmer's Health. Uh, check him out at www.eehealth.org. He's also an affiliate physician with MDVIP. Check him out, www.mdvip.com. Dr. Saran, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Mark. Here's the skinny Fenwick High School, Northwestern, three years, biochemistry. Uh, very nice. Skipped a year over to Loyola. I think you're a Loyola. Yeah, I'm a Loyola guy myself. Loyola Med School, Loyola Internal Medicine. 
and for a while practice at Good Salmon and over to Edward Hospital. But really the big change came in 2006 when I was able to reduce the size of my practice and to an MD, VIP, and Edward-based practice and really do what I love to do, which is passion for lifestyle medicine. And because us doctors really don't get a lot of nutrition in, in medical school, I think you can attest to that. Absolutely. Uh, I had to go, to go to books and DVDs and lectures and speakers and learn uh, all about nutrition, which is my passion. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Saran, for coming on the show today. I cannot wait to get more granular, get into some of the fine details on everything today. Let me introduce my second guest. She's a return guest on Tear Up with Dr. G. I like her so much. I want her to come on back on. But she's also a fellow lifestyle medicine enthusiast. And she and I connected a while back, about a little bit over a year ago, at an event um, uh, put on by our hospital. And we've just been great friends and colleagues since. And I just wanted her to come back on and just preach, essentially. Just tell you what's going on. I want to introduce my great friend. Uh, her name is her name is Lisa Murphy. Let me read her credentials because her credentials run deep. Lisa Murphy, she's a board-certified advanced nurse practitioner, Endeavor Health Weight Management. She's with Edward Elmer's Health. Check her out, www.eehealth.org. Lisa, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. G. Um, a little of my background. Please. Uh, I'm a family nurse practitioner. I worked as a nurse uh, for 10 years. I completed my training at Rush Medical Center. I um, worked as a nurse and then realized quickly that I wanted to really help patients heal from a provider standpoint. So once I completed my degree, I did family medicine for about three years and then decided to start working in an area of uh, medicine called lifestyle medicine and obesity medicine. And most recently, I've been working on my doctorate in nursing practice, which will be a concentration in lifestyle medicine. So um, right now, I help patients lose weight in my clinic, and I help uh, basically I help them lose weight and gain quality of life. And I do that with a gr really great team. And um, again, uh, you know, just piggy piggybacking off, I also did not get a lot of nutrition training. So I have essentially done a lot of self-teaching, and absolutely. it is absolutely my passion as well. Wonderful. Well, so glad to have you back on this show. Thanks again, Lisa. I want to introduce my last guest. She and I connected through a local, actually, small business owners group uh, not too long ago and everything, and I heard her story. Uh, I've seen some videos that you've done on, on social media, even with well, colleagues that we know in common. So I had to have her on. I want to introduce my good friend, Chrissy Chuparkoff. She's an RDN, LDN registered and licensed dietitian nutritionist. Check her out on our LinkedIn, www.linkedin.com slash in slash Chrissy Chuparkoff. Chrissy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, please tell us a little bit about your background and a few uh, opening words on what this theme means to you today about, about the dietary challenges that we face. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you said, I'm a registered dietitian. I graduated from the University of Illinois um, at Chicago. And um, I, I was introduced to functional medicine by a chiropractor friend of mine and just always wanted to learn that. Um, the real shift for me happened with my own story. I had eczema my whole entire life, and through um, making some dietary changes and supporting my body with some supplementation, my eczema healed, and I had no idea. Um, so I love dealing with food sensitivities and that sort of thing, functional medicine. Um, for work, I do some early intervention with infants and toddlers, uh, some sensory feedings. Um, it's sort of like my specialty, <laughs> sensory feedings and um, then with adults, I do some kitchen coaching and cooking classes. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Christy, for coming on to the show today. So there you guys go. You met my panel, just great credential individuals that are passionate about your health and your well-being. And here's the deal. Before we get into our clinical question of the hour, aka the chief complaint, let me just lay this down. 
Nutrition plays a major role in almost every aspect of your health and in your life. It affects every single system in the human body. That's why it's such an important thing. And we want to get rid of some of the mixed messages that are set out there. We want people to be certainly armed with the right information so they can apply that and become engaged in their life and their well-being. So I just want a lovely, just get into this thing, and it's going to be awesome. And by the way, the, the, the word diet, a.k.a. what we call a healthy eating pattern, comes from, derived from Greek. And the word in Greek is diatia, which means way of life. So in essence, your healthy eating patterns are a way of life. So the chief complaint, and you guys know this from clinical practice, the chief complaint is when somebody comes into our office, they tell us why they're there. And uh, so here it is, the chief complaint of today's show, the question of the hour, which dietary practices help treat, reverse, and prevent lifestyle-related chronic disease? I'm going to ask Dr. Saran, where do we start? Why don't you paint a picture of just the disease burden that we're up against right now. Why don't we, why don't we just compare? I think we have to establish that first before we talk about practical solutions. So go ahead and just paint for us what we're up against right now with chronic disease burden. Well, the chronic diseases that we see in internal medicine are the ones you hear about all the time. So that's heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia, uh, all kinds of musculoskeletal disorders. And definitely there's a huge link between nutrition. So uh, we like to teach that a plant-based diet, I think the data is pretty clear, plant-based for the most part is going to help reduce the risk of getting those diseases in the first place and um, managing and doing better with those diseases if, you're, um, if you do have them. So that's what we teach and uh, it's a matter of uh, balance too, meeting people where they are, making some simple changes. And uh, people think of, uh, I think a lot of people think of food as just fuel or just calories. Well, I think they have to learn to think about food in a different way. It's just not burning calories for fuel. Everything we put in our body, you should ask yourself, when I put this thing in my body, reach to it, uh, reach it for my mouth, is it going to help me or is it going to hurt me? And if you ask yourself that question, I think you can make some good decisions right there. But everything we eat are the raw materials for every cell in our body, both form and function, the structure, the enzymes. And I think people realize that. They think they'll make some better choices. Absolutely. Lisa, why don't you give us an idea? Why, why, why don't you paint, again, well, let's paint this foundation first before we talk about the practical solutions that are out there. What is the standard American diet? You know, people talk about that, but I don't think everybody really realizes it. What's kind of your take on that? Okay. So the standard American diet is actually... Um, Basically, I think the last set of data that I saw around 2017 is about 53% processed foods. So these are things that are refined, um, contain chemicals, um, might have higher pesticide levels, processed oils, and so forth. Um, there's a, a high um, animal factor to the standard American diet. I think about 32% of total intake it probably is higher. Um, and then very, very little fruits, veggies, whole grains, and legumes, which are the um, probably the most important part of the entire diet. So what we've essentially done with a standard American diet is take the whole, the plant-powered eating pattern and um, reverse it into heavily animal-laden and also chemical-laden, processed, um, and um, essentially replace the diet with that pattern. Yeah, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the pattern that's happening, you know, certainly refined, you know, refined foods, refined sugars, refined flours, 
high sugar content, and of course the low mineral density, and that's the reality right. when Dr. Saran was talking about how every cell in the body can be affected, you know, we have to really understand what's happening before we can actually can have the solutions. And Lisa, I've, I've got another great acronym I quote Dr. Greger, it's crap. Mm -hmm. Calorie rich and processed. Oh, like that. So I, I, I go beyond Becker, the sad absolutely. diet, I call it the crap diet. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Senator American diet does say it's never sad. I like that. Calorie word. rich and processed. Wonderful. Christy, you know, so why don't you give us your take, you know, from a dietitian at the table, sure. you know, and again, I want your take on just the standard American diet because I think it's it's important to, to uh, have you here on that one. When, when Elisa or Dr. Serena or I are talking about, again, the actual foods that are, that are the ones that we were talking about that are, uh, that are high in fat, uh, processed, high refined flours, high in sugar, what foods are we talking about? So we're talking about the things that are um, not perishable. <laughs> so if you've ever McDonald's. seen like McDonald's, <laughs> no, 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 or have you ever seen that? They, they lay a Twinkie out, it looks exactly the same many years later. Same with McDonald's hamburger, not to call anything out, but. <laughs> it is what it <laughs> those, is. Those uh, hamburgers. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the standard American diet, um, it, it can be healthy if people um, bring in more fruits and vegetables and the fresh um, plant-based foods that um, you two had mentioned. But I think that a lot of times people can follow um, the guidelines that have been set for them and have it completely devoid of nutrients. So from my standpoint, just to add to what they were saying, is I would add that it would be really important to um, pay attention to the nutrient density. Um, does it hurt? Does it hurt? Or does it help? So th those nutrient-dense foods are the ones that are going to help you. And also food quality. Um, while, you know, when we're looking at plant-based, I also look at, um, is, do we, should we be eating organic for this one? How heavily um, sprayed are these crops? You can look at the, the Clean 15, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Dirty Dozen or the Clean 15 um, to help you choose which, which foods to buy organic. Um, if, yeah. Makes um, sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But let me, let me ask this question. So, so we, we know that there's challenges going on. And I think about it in my office practice, yes, I only get a, a handful of time. You know, we have a finite time as practitioners with our patients. We're trying to get enough information to them as fast as possible. But you want, you don't want to, it can't be about speed. It's got to be about value. And, and we have to sometimes, I see myself as a clinician, I have to sometimes slow myself down. And I might have to take more time to try to get hit home the points. But let me ask this question to, to Dr. Saran. Where do you start? So say somebody's coming in. Uh, we're talking off air uh, about a about a, a patient that I recently saw who came in with just 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 horrible diabetes uh, numbers. The A1C was 13 and some change. A uh, gentleman in his early 50s. He's about 5'9", 5'10", weighs 280. And, and and where do you start? And so how do you start having those conversations, John? Or you know, people might be out here that are hearing us on the, on today's show, and they might not even know how to bring it up to their own clinician. How do we kind of eliminate any barriers that may be out there for us? Well, I, I ask him simply what they eat. It's, it's taking a good history. It's a food diary. What did you eat yesterday, the day before? Give me an idea what your breakfast, lunch, and supper look like. We take into account their, their ethnic or cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds. We have to do that, kind of work things around. And then show them the relationship between what they're eating, how that relates to their diabetes, or if they have a family history, they're worried about a mom or dad they had with cancer or heart disease, and they don't want to get those things. Try to teach them that uh, DNA is not your destiny, that you, most of these chronic diseases we talked about, we can change. We can change those by what we eat. And the whole science of epigenetics, for example, where uh, the food that we put in our body can actually make some changes of gene expression, maybe 
hide those diabetic genes we may be carrying, kind of quiet those down and, and release those good genes that, that we all have as well. Wonderful. Lisa, yeah. what's your take? How do you start somebody? You know, somebody shows up in your office, they want to, they're showing up there for a reason. They want to make a change. They just might not know where to go because there's so much information, uh, maybe a lot of, even some misinformation out there. How do you start with somebody? Well, I point out that health creation will begin at the end of the fork. So every decision that they, you know, every time they're deciding to eat, is this going to create health or that will this create disease? Because if the answer is disease, then they have to really think twice about the next bite. And then I remind them that food is medicine. A lot of people come to me to lose weight and they may use surgery, they may use medicine. And to me, I often say, well, food is the best medicine I got, that I can give you. And so once we establish that, then I start really going into what really matters, which is pointing out that uh, the best way to eat food is whole, the way it was intended to be eaten from the earth. Um, I really talk on the point of quality, food quality over quantity any day. You know, for, a lot, for patients that are trying to lose weight, it's very important to look at calorie amounts and things, but it's not, it's not going to be as good for them as if they are paying attention to the quality. And then recognizing the power of plants. So, uh, entire, you, know, you, you know, if we start recognizing that plants are the first way to start healing, then um, people can really start seeing big changes. And most of all is individualizing because we're all very different. We have cultural differences, religious differences. And I think that if, the, um, if that recognition of the culture and individualizing were to take place from patient to patient, we would see amazing outcomes for our patients. Wonderful. And let me ask that same question, uh, Christy, and then we're going to get into some of the specific diets because it is called fad diets for a reason. Uh, Christy, where do you start? You know, you see clients in their homes um, and in other locations, but how do you start when you have a client who wants to make those changes and then go from there? So I think it's really important to meet people where they are. Um, there's lots of education out there, almost too much, really too much, and to um, meet them where they are and make small gradient changes, they already have more information than they're using. There's a big disconnect between um, what they know, so their, their mom already told them to eat less sugar and more vegetables. Mm -hmm. And so how do we make that translate to the end of the fork? Uh, so that's really where I start. Can I second yeah, that too? It's really about food choices, uh, which is, is really great. It, the old school is kind of like, don't eat this, don't, 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 don't. It's all negative. No, okay, so let's talk about fats, right? Let's, there, there are good fats and bad fats. Let's talk about carbs, good carbs, bad carbs. Let's talk about proteins, good proteins, not so good proteins. So it's about choices, and I think if you give people some choices, tell them how they can weave maybe some of their personal likes and dislikes, maybe just shift it a little bit. I think we can work with the individual. Yeah, I, think we have, I think we have to really, options. we have to really, uh, now, because we're mired in so much chronic disease, that, you know, even though a lot of times the diet is, is a personal choice, we have to now, because we're seeing the devastation that's affecting our families and our loved ones, and certainly affecting society, we have to come together and say, you know what, even though there's some individual things we need to respect, yeah. what can we do on a larger scale to make the most impact? Yeah. And so that you know, so I think it's great that us as clinicians that we're here talking about this because we still realize the challenges that lie ahead, but we want to persevere. Christy, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to add that with the education, it's good for them to know to see the vision of where they could be. But in the meantime, as we start where, wherever it is that they are, and then make those small gradient changes toward that end. 
I'd like your idea that where they could be because give them a why. Because mm -hmm. it's not just do this, this, and this. But they say, wouldn't it be nice if you could uh, be at your grandchild's wedding? Or wouldn't it be nice if you could could do this, this other life event? Yes. I think if you put a, a why, put some emotion attached mm -hmm. to their right. choice, it really makes a big difference. Yeah, give them a little motivation. Yeah. Yeah, really look into their values. Why do they want to do this from their heart? Because we can tell them over and over, you can, you know, this is linked to this disease or you will have this happen to you. But when you put it on a heart level, that means so yeah, much more. That's another connection without a doubt. We feel, and I told that, I told to my patients uh, recently after a show that I did two weeks ago about keeping your why in front of your face all the time. Why you make these decisions. Remember your why. And even if you get, even if you regress a little bit, as long as you have your why in front of your face, you're more apt to bounce back right. and thrive. Right. Without a doubt. So I want to do this. You know, we're talking food diets, uh, or sorry, fad diets, food diets as well too, same thing. Uh, but let's get into some of this stuff. Um, and so we already talked about the standard American diet, sad, or as Dr. Sorin said, crap, I love it. Never heard that one, but sorry. Dr. Michael Greger will give him props on that one. But let's get into some of the things that people are hearing a lot about. So uh, we, we just Let's talk about the standard American diet. Let's talk about a few other ones here. So, Dr. Sorian, uh, can you break down, you know, briefly, what is whole foods, plant-based? Well, like like uh, uh, Christy said and uh, Lisa said, so whole foods, foods that are from nature, minimally processed, and uh, plant-based, and it means plant-based. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be like 100% vegan, but for, for the most part. Um, I like the like, I like Michael Pollan's word. It's yeah. it's eat it's eat food, real food, yeah. uh, not so much, mostly and mostly food, plants. Yeah. Okay, so what does that mean? It's food. It's real food first of all, and water, and not so much portion control is is key, and mostly he didn't say all plants. He said mostly plants. So I like to be a little bit flexible with people and, and their needs because it's really hard to be perfect. I, I just don't like perfect people, and I'm not perfect, yeah. and I don't think many people are, so we can work with I told them. this to a patient of mine yesterday, I go, I am not a finished product. <laughs> I am not, but, but no, we always have room to work on ourselves, and, and again, as long as you keep that wire in front of your face, you know, you will continue to, to hopefully know where you want to go. So Mark, it's plants. It's, it's fruits and veggies and berries and whole, fi whole grains, fibers, legumes. It's those as natural as processed, minimally processed, uh, as possible. That's what I mean. And the whole foods plant-based plant nutrient-dense. Plant-based diet, or as Lisa says the other night, whole foods plant-powered, uh, it excludes uh, flesh, correct? Uh, Lisa? So, okay. so um, I guess... fish. Yeah, well, it could exclude if oh, that's exclude. your preference. Okay. Um, but a lot of the times, even in cultures that we've seen, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll kind of talk to this. There are there are blue zones, and these are areas where there was a big documentary done, and they went and found the longest live, like long, you know, areas of longevity in Japan, Greece, um, Costa Rica, Italy, uh, where patients people live well into their 90s and 100s, and so they were looking at what did they all have in common. So, yes, you know, community and exercise, but you know that separate. The biggest things that they found, which is, you know, cultures throughout the world, even Loma Linda in California. Yeah. So they found that there was some animal-based products or, or fish, but it was very limited, maybe anywhere from 2 to 10% maximum. And that includes dairy and everything. So there are some cultures that thrive, and they do have very minimal meat and seafood. So I think it is really about finding what works individually. But the, the term plant-based, I, I believe, um, 
the plant-based culture assumes that you're not eating any animal products. Very well. I, you know, I met I met Dan uh, Blue Zones written by uh, Dan Butner. Right. Uh, uh, I met his brother at a conference, and I thought it was actually Dan Butner himself, and it turns out to be his brother, and he was a phenomenal as well too. Those they have it rehearsed like like crazy, but uh, yeah, the one of the their brothers when they when he was in Japan uh, doing their original uh, doing the work in the early two thousands. Uh, the amount of flesh that they wound up eating in a month was about no bigger than the size of their fist. Yeah, I just okay. came back yeah. from Japan. Oh, yeah, that's Okinawa. Right, yeah. I yeah. traveled into Ogini, where they, the, this area of longevity, and what was striking for me was that it was a piece of meat, this, this, this tiny bit, and then everything around it was whole, plant-based, very, very fiber-rich, um, so it's such healing types of foods. And, um, in that region, um, I think it was 67% sweet potato. Well, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And let's make a distinction, Mark, with yeah. plant-based. We're talking about nutrient-dense. Right. I don't even like the word vegan at all because that could really almost mean anything. Like potato and chip, vegetables. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Potato, yeah. Chip, potato, potato, chips, yeah. and, and, and soda pop are yeah. vegan, theoretically. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like that word either. I love the word nutrient-dense and, and minimally processed. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, let, I think to be clear on that is great. Wonderful. Let's talk about a couple things that are kind of what I what I call when I think about my patients that I'm trying to get them to make some of these changes. I, I believe there are two good diets that could be on a spectrum towards a whole food plant based or whole food plant powered, as Lisa says. I love that line. Uh, but there are a few diets that are out there that are very popular that can help people to eat more fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, legumes, whole grains. Focusing there high fiber, high mineral density, less of the processed stuff. Uh, I like Mediterranean and then the DASH diet. Um, Chrissy, what do you know about the Mediterranean diet approach? Um, just kind of following those basic foundational things. Um, so they didn't, um, they didn't start out trying to eat the Mediterranean diet. It was just they were eating um, what, what was offered by nature. So uh, you've got the mm you know, the plant-based diet, but also just minimally, minimally processed animal proteins. Yeah, and, and it's interesting when the high quality. And high quality. And, you know, and I think about my patients, I'll say, listen, I don't want you to go from, from eating McDonald's and pizza and all that stuff in one day and then by tomorrow you have to be a completely mm -hmm. 180. That's that's unrealistic and impossible. Uh, uh, but you have to kind of work with it. So I always say to, start to my patients, can you do one meal per day? Just start with one meal or even start with a snack mm -hmm. where you get the colors of the rainbow, on your or a salad, get the colors of the rainbow, those phytonutrients with those the reds and the greens and the blues slash purples, the yellows, the, the the whites. Those have so many amazing benefits on the body. So I just say, can you just do one meal a day? And then if you do that, you're already 33% of the way towards that uh, in a in a full week. And then when you're ready, maybe you start to integrate a second. And then you kind of next thing you know, you're starting doing this kind of 80-20 rule. On, uh, on on lifestyle. What's your take on that, Dr. Saran? Well, yeah, and and be clear, yeah, the Mediterranean diet is part of a lifestyle. And like lifestyle. so many of my patients say, "Oh, good, now I get to eat pizza and big bowls of pasta and gallons of olive oil." And no, no, no. that is it is not the the true Mediterranean diet, right? And if you go, even you go to Italy and Greece, you know their their pasta is a side dish. It's not a main dish, and it's very small portion size is huge. I agree. Plants, whole grains. You know, your, your healthy fats, lean proteins, that's what the Mediterranean, I think people can start there they as can they do move that. towards they kind of things like that. that. And certainly the Mediterranean diet has been, been at least linked towards a lower risk of heart disease uh, um, sure. uh, and other kind of d yeah. disease burden uh, benefits. Same way, again, whole food plant-based, we're talking about reversing uh, and preventing chronic disease burden. Let's talk about the DASH diet. Um, uh, Lisa, you know, the DASH diet um, was, it stands for Dietary Approaches 
to stop hypertension, and it was designed originally to lower blood pressure. That's also somewhere where people can start out with uh, in choosing the right foods. What do you know about some of the DASH diet uh, in your approach, if you kind of mention that to your patients? I, I don't traditionally use DASH, I have to be honest. Okay. I, I swing more Mediterranean um, or whole food, you know, very plant-strong. Um, I think that it's, um, you know, I think that it, it focuses on salt, lowering salt. I think, um, I don't think, you know, I don't remember reading in guidelines that it's really whole food promoting, but I think there's a low fat factor to that. Um, and so it, it's, move, it's moving patients in the right direction yeah. for sure. But it's more of a focus on low-fat, salt-type eating pattern um, to hopefully bring down blood pressure. I agree 100%. Uh, what do you know, Christy, about, you know, some people throw this term out, flexitarian. Uh, I'm a flexitarian. You know, have you heard that term when you're talking with clients and stuff? I've heard that term. Does it just kind of mean you can, you can be whatever you want to be <laughs> on know, any given yeah. day? That's what I thought when I first heard the term. But I, but I think but it's, I, you know, for my more reading on it, because people throw that out there, that's what we're doing, diet fads. Uh, um, you know, it's more about the uh, vegetarians that, that have entirely excluded uh, meat-based products. Occasional. But they're very flexible, occasional, again, this 80-20 rule mm -hmm. on things. But being more, just having that mindset of, you know, I want to do more. I want to save nature. I want to be kind to the environment. Because we certainly know that one of the best ways to save your environment is to host a vegetarian party at your house. The amount of land that's involved to, to clear for a vegetarian diet is, is, is very minimal. And the amount of land that's needed to... Uh, for, for animals to graze is very much big. So, so if we're talking about one of the best things you can do for, your, for, your, for the environment is really to host a vegetarian party. Um, so it's moving in the right direction in the right direction. What, what most people are doing. Absolutely. So that's why I think about flexitarian, a flexible vegetarian. Mm -hmm. a flexible vegetarian, I love that word. Uh, what about this thing, uh, Dr. Sran, um, or, or Lisa, either you can comment on this, the MIND diet. What do you guys know about that? People are talking about the MIND diet, M-I-N-D. Uh, may I just go for it and then you can no. finish? So it's, it's more or less a combination of Mediterranean diet and, uh, and uh, the DASH diet. That's really. But you're emphasizing now the mind, so brain. So their brain-healthy yes. foods are, are greens, uh, emphasis on berries, uh, fish. And again, we, we in terms of fish, we like to shade a little bit towards wild salmon and wild sardines. The smaller fish seems to have the best bang for your buck. It's terms of rich in omega-3s and really fairly low in contaminants. So remind it, again, is, a, is that berries, greens, right? Uh, fish, omegas. Excellent. And how would you say, Lisa? I would say only in addition to that is that it's very um, mind-driven. So mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially been created to help people heal things like cognitive diseases, uh, uh, particularly, um, you know, your Alzheimer's and things. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'll go ahead, Christy. I was going to say, um, it, it very much mirrors the food guide pyramid, and so I think this emphasis on grains in the MIND diet, um, just that, that big inclusion, um, many of those can be inflammatory, so it's not always what are we doing to feed the brain, because you've mentioned all these great brain-feeding foods, but what are those things that interfere with brain health? And so that's something else that I, I think that it's important to look at. We've got to keep all organ systems in mind, don't we? Absolutely. You know, interesting thing is, uh, it was late last year, I believe, when the World Health Organization came out with a position statement uh, about dementia. Uh, and knowing that dementia rates, Alzheimer's rates, or dementia in general, predominantly, predominantly uh, defined by Alzheimer's, are only going to triple by the year 2050. And so uh, the World Health Organization came out, I believe it was late last year, and said basically the only way to help stave off dementia risk 
is by eating a heart healthy diet at that time. Uh, and so we're talking about the things that we're talking about the whole grains, uh, the fruits, the vegetables, the nuts, the seeds, uh, reducing the, the meat consumption. Uh, but it turns out you have to have that conversation with somebody decades in advance. So those of you that are out there listening to us in their 30s, 40s, you're, if even 50s, you have to set the foundation now for something you might be at risk for a couple of decades from now. And it's kind of hard, and maybe Dr. Strain can talk about this a little bit. You know, when you have your, your 30, 40, maybe early 50-year-old in the practice, you know, they're not really, I mean, they're there for their, because their, their, they got skin in the game, they're invested, but it's hard when somebody's doing a million things to think about, I need you to think the long game 20 years ahead from now. But we have to have those kind of honest conversations, right? And I think telling them stories, uh, going back to their family history again, maybe they don't want to have those diseases that mom and dad had, and so it's starting early. Wonderful. Let's do a couple. Oh, please, go ahead. I was going to say, I like that because you can also, um, looking ahead, you can empower them to say that you don't have to be a victim of your genes. Just because your parents had this does not mean that you have to as well. Wonderful. So they have the power to change. Everybody's got the power to change. Each day is an opportunity, and I would say, you know, we all get those same 24 hours, and it's a matter what we do. We were defined by choice, as as a, a great lifestyle medicine pioneer, Dean Ornish, says, you know, we get to choose what we eat, we get to choose when to sleep, we get to choose who to love. You know, we have choice. Uh, and again, as long as you keep your why in front of you, you're going to make great choices. That's our goal for you, to get to inspire you to live a healthy and active life. Let's do a couple more of these dietary fads. Let's get into ketogenic. People hear that term, keto this, keto that. A ton of celebrity endorsements out there for keto. What? What, what, what are we talking about? Lisa? So ketogenic is essentially um, medium protein, high healthy fat, and very low carbohydrate. So, um, you know, in, in our settings, um, you know, in a healthcare setting, this might be used for the bariatric patient who it would otherwise be facing bariatric surgery. Um, it might be used to reverse, um, you know, type 2 diabetes, but people are using it also as a weight loss tool. So there are different ways to be ketogenic. There is the way of the hot dogs and the bacon and the, you know, that, that very unhealthy version. Um, but there are, there are actually plant-based versions. There are actually, uh, so you could do it plant-based, you could do it vegan. Um, you know, there's a, actually a doctor out in Indiana and she's uh, shown two years of data right now um, with, with a lot of her patients that she's actually reversed their diabetes. So it, it, is, it is very much um, a fad diet, but it's showing promise in certain areas if you are doing the right practices. If you're, if you're adhering to whole foods, if you go plant strong, which you can, ketogenic, and the high healthy fats are very important um, if you're going to stick to the right kinds as well. So just like any diet, you can really do it the wrong way. Absolutely. You know, interesting thing that we're seeing, uh, at least some of the data, that we're seeing some of the, I mean, it's great for the short term, but you're seeing some of this long-term stuff coming out with high, car, higher cardiovascular risk right. that people are showing up with MIs that have gone purely keto right. for a sustained amount of time. And so I think I think the proof is still in the pudding, and I think right. we still have to see some of the, how it's going to play out, but I love how we have to be innovative. I mean, I, I think we all want to improve health. You know, the American obsession with diets has been going on long since before the early 1980s when the obesity epidemic took off. So I love the innovation, but we want to make sure we're still doing the right thing, doing right by people right. Mm -hmm. and not affecting the lives. Christy, go ahead. And um, there are lots of people interested in doing the keto diet, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around it, and they think if they're just going low-carb that they're keto, and that's not necessarily the case. It's um, 
going low carb enough to put your body into, into ketosis, ketosis yep. so that you're rather than burning sugars, you're burning fat for, for fuel. Yep. So that's why it's so effective for losing weight. And, and be careful of the long term. Yeah, sure. For example, that, in, that induces acidosis. Ketones are acid. We uh, healthcare professionals many times talk alkaline, but yet there, you know, there might be some problems with acidosis, bone loss, and other sure. things that you have to worry about. So individualize. Maybe there are some short-term uh, uh, gains, perhaps, but uh, I'm a little bit concerned about long-term. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly, in the long-term, it's long -term. not sustainable. Let's talk about. Let's do one more fad because we're doing a lot of different fads. Let's do intermittent fasting. People are also hearing that all the time. You see it in the magazines. You know, you're reading it on television, social media. People are talking intermittent fasting. You know, what's the take with that? Anybody? Well, oh, no, no, no. Well, first of all, that could be anything, right? As yeah. You could be fasting uh, every other day. Eat, fast, eat. Maybe some people on one week, off one week. I've seen uh, 25 days of eating and a five-day fast, so 25 and five, or five days of eating and two days of fast. So I think what makes most sense to me is really like 12 or 14 hours. It's doable, and it avoids some of that nighttime eating. So their data is this uh, intermittent fasting, um, does uh, what it does is reduce insulin levels, reduce a, a adverse hormone called IGF-1. Growth hormone goes up. Growth yeah. hormone is reparative, restorative, decreases insulin resistance. It's anti-inflammatory. Um, it, it reduces oxidative stress. So it's doing a lot of yeah. good things. And uh, but you want to make it doable. It's very doable, I think, mm -hmm. to to pick a 12-hour time period. Uh, whether that be uh, you're going to eat from uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., for example, 12 hours, and you're going to be fasting from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., so 12 on, 12 off. But be careful again because you could do it wrongly. Those 12 hours you're eating, you could be eating junk food. No, you have to be eating healthy food during those 12 hours, then fasting, and it's just some good medical data that show that that can really help. And and we're seeing some, we're seeing, we're seeing some weight loss uh, come out, you know, kind of forces us into a caloric restriction kind of time frame. But, you know, the reality is that we as, as humans certainly have evolved to be able to not eat for extended periods of time, kind of like our hunter-gatherer forefathers. Uh, but we're seeing some really good stuff. Actually, New England Journal of Medicine put out something, uh, I believe, earlier this month, or was it? Sorry, we're in February. My bad. Early in January on intermittent fasting, some great data. And I like the flexibility of it being doable. I present. I get home late a lot of times. I eat late. Maybe some 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 of the audience do that. Yeah. Doing things with the kids, and and honestly, they may not eat till nine o'clock at night. I'm serious. And so then it gets back to the prefacing. So if I'm eating at nine o'clock at night, at at six in the morning, uh, I really am not hungry, not hungry. and I, I should agree. then skip breakfast, which is you know we were told eat breakfast, but but look at the time period. Now, maybe I at 9 a.m. when I start to look for some food. Again, healthy food. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you can be a little flexible there, but I think that, that kind of 12, 14 hours is very helpful. People are always yeah. looking to fit into a model mm -hmm. of a, a label diet, but I think sometimes you can just like listen to your body because we naturally sometimes want to skip breakfast, like mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. They have that. If you're not hungry, don't eat. I, I mean, right. don't eat, just to eat. You know, the round table is so. a lot of times where we'll be sitting there and people yeah. are sitting at home watching TV and you forget about that. You lose things, lose time with things. You realize, oh my gosh, I just ate three bags of chips. But then you get to the office or, or work and yeah. then, then, then so, sorry, it's, it's junk food, so you have to be careful. But if you're right. eating healthy food <clears throat> during that, 
feeding period, yeah. that's great. They might yeah. naturally just compress their eating time into an eight-hour time frame, and they're automatically intermittent fasting. Yeah. And, and you're reducing calories, and you're losing weight, that's and it's healthy. Absolutely. Let's get into a section a little bit. We'll do a couple of these, and we'll get into some myths versus facts. We're going to have this great discussion. But I want to do a couple. Is it true? All right, so here we go. I'm going to pick on Lisa first. Uh, is it true that we should fill at least half our plates with vegetables and fruits in a rainbow of colors at every meal and even at snacks? Yes, true. Excellent. Please explain. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, the value to that is um, the fact that you're going to st stabilize your hormones very well. And we know that the bodies thrive on non-starchy veggies the fruits, you know, all like you mentioned, the colors. Um, a, a big part of that is that it is going to be, it's basically helping the gut bacteria eat well too. So we are comprised of billions, billions of bacteria, yeah. you know, mouth to anus. And if we're feeding our bacteria well with these kinds of foods, prebiotic uh, food types like the ones you mentioned, then we will be um, able to uh, be healthy, lose weight, and uh, kick out the bad guys. Oh, wonderful. Uh, let me ask this question to Christy. Christy, uh, is it true that diets go off the rails when people eat out? Sometimes. <laughs> I'd almost argue most of the time. See, sometimes. I think sometimes that when the floodgates open, um, it's a bad thing. But if you go out with a plan, it doesn't have to go off the rails, right? Um, a lot of times, because, um, because I do have some food sensitivities personally, I will call ahead. Um, I'll call restaurants to find out, are you able to handle these restrictions that I require? So it doesn't have to be. And it's also um, the restaurant selection, right? It doesn't mean that just because it doesn't have to go off the rails that you can eat anywhere. Some places may not be suitable. So it's about planning ahead. And restaurants are changing. I mean, we're yeah. seeing more and more. I, I'm Personally, I've got celiac, so I'm gluten-free. And I'll, I'll ask for a gluten-free menu, and, and they're very good about it. And mm -hmm. but, but always be careful, but, but there are mm -hmm. restaurants. And even when you eat at a friend's house, I don't feel badly anymore going over to somebody's house and, and asking him ahead of time. He said, well, I'm sensitive to these and these foods, just so you know ahead of time. You know, don't feel shy. I mean, really. <laughs> Excellent. You know, it's interesting. The American Heart Association came up with a study in 2017 that looked at the amount of calories that people consume at a restaurant for dinner. And, and something, I'm, I'm trying not to, I'm not trying to misquote the number, but I believe it was something about 92% of the restaurants, the large chain national restaurants, uh, offer on their dinner at your dinner, you've exceeded your calories for the day in one meal. <laughs> yeah, it was something ridiculous like that. Let's do one more of these. Uh, one more of these. Is it true? I'm going to ask this one, Dr. Sran. Is it true uh, to, to, oh, to rely on supplements as a substitute for real food? What's your take on that? Well, what we said about the rainbow of colors, people have to realize that in those natural colors, not talking about artificial, those natural colors have a great uh, antioxidant, so they neutralize some of the dangerous things that we come across all the time. And they are way more powerful than, than vitamins. I think if you talk to people, they kind of know about vitamin C and E and things like this, but they have to realize these colors are just so much better at neutralizing toxins and, and keeping us healthy. And so people know, well, they don't, they say, DJOC, I know I don't eat well, and but I take all these vitamins. So they realize they maybe are missing something, so they reach for isolated, fragmented vitamins. And there is just, there is just no study. There have been meta-analysis after meta-analysis in our annals of journaling. Yeah, the medical uh, journals, uh, correct. Uh, journal, uh, that uh, eating isolated multivitamin or isolated vitamins just does not help those chronic diseases. So now there, there, there's a caveat. So work with your healthcare pro professional is yes. key 
because you might be iron deficient for some reason and may need a specific or specific a B12 deficiency or vitamin D. Okay, that's fine, but don't just go to the shelf and start reaching for vitamins. Instead, we want a whole food-based supplement. I myself take a product called Juice Plus, which is whole food-based. I do not take um, a multiple vitamin, for example. Yes, I heard. You want that food base. Let's get into something called, because we're getting a little short on time, but I love this discussion. We do it every week on TRF with Dr. G, Myths versus Facts. Time flies, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Myths versus Facts, that's what we do each week. What it is about setting the record straight, what I do is I ask my panelists, I say a statement, they say myth or fact, give us a kind of a, a few liners on why it's a myth or a fact. We're going to keep it kind of go boom, 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 boom. boom. We're going to get through as many of these as we can, but again, we want to build trust and deliver truth, setting the record straight for you. First myth versus fact goes to Lisa. Here we go. Myth or fact, healthy eating is complex and challenging. Myth or fact? Um... I would say a myth. Please explain. Well, really, as long as you're going back to the basics, you know, you could you can make it hard on yourself, or you could just follow the basic rules of wholeness and getting the the you know the the staples in. So I think the more we create the the standard American disaster, people are agonizing over their food. So go back to the basics, treat it as fuel. It's just information. And that's it. Take the emotion out, and it, it's, it's simple to do. Wonderful. Here we go. Myth or fact. This is the Christy. Myth or fact. To lose weight, you have to give up all of your favorite foods. Myth. Please explain. Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of healthy ways to um, create alternatives, and especially getting in the kitchen, preparing your food um, yourself, rather than getting it out of a box or a bag or a window. So you can always make your favorites. I agree. Well, when I tell people Please. that they can have their 100% chocolate or, or coffee or tea straight without all the extras and that these are okay, they're just so happy about it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you know, I think one of the studies said. A fifth of all the calories you consume each day are liquid-based. Um, and, and so we, when you doctor up something like that like we do, all of a sudden you realize, oh, my gosh, I've already had a fifth of my calories, if not even more. And so we think about it, it's all liquids. And portion size is so important. I mean, you can't be totally um, serious about it. I mean, it, it's a small, but that's not what we do, right? Yeah. We have to eat the whole box, the whole bag, mm -hmm. the whole gallon of ice cream. I think learn it simple, learn in sharing, learn in, in when you go out to a restaurant, eating party meal, taking some home. I mean, so there's three simple ways that you can work around it. You don't have to be perfect all the time. I agree. Here we yeah. go. Myth or fact, Dr. Sreer, here's a statement. Breakfast should not be skipped. What's your take on that? Well, we, we, uh, uh, should not be skipped. That's a myth because we just talked about intermittent yeah. fasting, for yeah. example. It depends when you ate last night or the day before, really. So in general, with the usual standard people mostly eating around 6 p.m., you do want to start with breakfast around 6 p.m., a healthy breakfast. Uh, and, and so I'd say it's, it's myth. It depends on... I, I, I agree. Wait last. Hopefully, no, like <laughs> myth, no, put an asterisk next to that it, one. That depends. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Let's see this one. Here we go, Lisa. Myth or fact? You do not have to avoid all trans. Sorry, you do not have to avoid all fats if you're trying to improve your health or lose weight. Uh, that is a fact. Please there explain. are there are very healthy fats, omega threes. Um, you know, when a baby's born for six months, it, it's sustained on protein you know, uh, carbs and the fat, fats, healthy fats. So be a breast milk, absolutely. Exactly, and it keeps a baby alive for six, you know, up to six months, you know, that alone. So we have to we have to think about the power of healthy fats, nuts, seeds, avocados, their brain power, 
um, they help us thrive in the right context in the right amounts. Wonderful. Here we go. Christy, here's a statement. Myth or fact. You should limit highly processed and packaged foods as well as processed oils. Fact. Please explain. Oh, I thought that stood alone. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it really does. It's like, I mean, they, oh, put the best really Limit processed foods. What did I say? <laughs> Limit processed, highly processed, and packaged foods as well as processed oils. Yeah, so yeah. basically, when food is processed, it loses the nutrients that, that they started with when they um, came in their natural form. Absolutely, and then certainly when you do all that kind of processed stuff, and even those high fats, I mean, sorry, the, the high, high, high fats, the calorie, um, not calorie dense, but, well, they are calorie dense because they can be high calorie, but very nutrient minimal, nutrient poor, without a doubt. Here we go. Uh, I like this one. Dr. Sarant, here's a statement. Uh, I like this one. Consume a variety of foods. Myth or fact? Fact, we need a variety of foods. We need a variety of rainbow-colored foods. Our microbiome is, is really based on a variety of foods. It's been shown, so definitely, definitely fact. Yeah, I say eat every color of the rainbow. You should do that. You should strive to do that at every meal, including your snacks. That's a, a, that's yeah. natural, yes. healthy food. Yes, yeah, yeah not, not the color of the <laughs> rainbow. A variety you know, of uh, fast I think, foods. I think I'll look, Lucky Charm cereal has the color of the rainbow right. uh, as well, too. So absolutely, thanks for the okay. clarification. Here we go. We'll do a couple more of these. Lisa, this one's for you. I like this one. All right. Going vegetarian will help you lose weight and be healthier, myth or fact? I would say, you know, just taking that face on, that's a myth because you could be vegetarian in many ways, like we were saying with um, the, the vegan, you know, that could be eating, you know, the Doritos and things like that. So... Uh, it could be done very well and help you heal, or it could be done, uh, you know, not so healthy. So, I agree 100%. Here we go. Christy, we'll do the last one for you. Myth or fact, I like this one. Uh, when advising patients or clients about diet, information given must be evidence-based and grounded in documented fact. I think that's a myth, because before we had documented facts, people still ate food. So just go back to that. Yeah. I mean, I think that... Oftentimes, we want, to, we want to complicate it much more than we have to. If we just look inside ourselves and listen to our bodies, oftentimes we just know what to do. It's yeah. natural. And nutrition studies are very, very hard to do. Very hard. Very hard. Very hard. It's hard to yeah. isolate a variable. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, you guys. Got myth versus facts. So we have about five minutes left, and, and I've just been enjoying this amazing conversation. I can't believe that, you, that the show is almost over. i got a tear coming down my eye oh. without a doubt. You can't <laughs> see it from the camera angle and everything. But I've uh, just been having a great discussion about... Uh, nutrition, about diet fads, uh, and really uh, I want you guys to take this information again. We want to share it as much as possible. So I said at the beginning the chief complaint, why people come to your office, so to speak. Uh, at the end when we're done with our assessments, what people would call that the, the assessment plan. That's when we give somebody a diagnosis, we give them a strategy or treatment plan, and most importantly, we have them follow up. That's the most important part of everything. So let's bring it on home. Christy, give us a few take-home points for people to be successful when it comes to their diet slash nutrition? Um, one I think is being mindful. Know what's going in your body and always look for real food. And what I mean by that is these plant-based foods we've been talking about the whole hour, but also high quality um, animal proteins, um, wild caught fish, grass-fed beef. Um, so I think that's a good place to start. Just being mindful, um, cook your meals, cook at home so you know what you're eating. So be observant, be mindful. And one thing that my family does almost every day is green smoothies. And I think that's the best way to eat the rainbow all at once and um, get a lot of your veggies in. 
on the front end, front loading. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chrissy. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, bring us on home. Give us three kind of a few take-home points for people out there that are listening to us talk about nutrition, the importance. But they, how do, how can then again they take what we're talking today and turn that into action steps? Yeah, just just focus on the whole factor. You know, um, I tell my patients a lot. If you bought a Corvette and you were told to put in 93 gas and you put 87 in, your car will not run right. We've become accustomed to eating 87 gas foods. We need to amp it up to 93 to feel well. Honor your culture. Um, you know, my, my yes. grandma is 90. She's Polish. We grew up on ethnic Polish foods. That was dumplings and pierogies and all kinds of things. And here she is 90, thriving. Her, her food was uh, consisted of a lot of quality. So I think focusing on quality and then really focusing on the liquid calories and how much that plays a role because you could consume so many additional calories just through drinks. So if you really, really look at that and then um, one size does not fit all and that's where I think we need to start focusing is on the individualizing for patients. Well, thank you, Lisa. Again, it's been my pleasure having you back on the show again. Dr. Saran, take us on home. Give us a couple take-home points out there for people to be successful what we're talking about today. Well, I'll go back to, to Michael Pollan. Please. So eat food, not too much, and mostly plants. Those are seven words. It doesn't get much simpler than seven words. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And that second of all, to really avoid some of the toxic foods out there, processed food. We mentioned some of the uh, sodas and things like this. So avoid uh, artificial things, uh, avoid processed things, eat as close to nature as you can. And we're not perfect, we're all busy people. Uh, when you're considering, consider if you're considering a supplement, a whole food-based supplement rather than isolated vitamins. Wonderful, well thank you Dr. Okay. Sorin for coming on the show. You know, my final thoughts are this. You know, when applied fully, healthy eating patterns help treat, reverse, and prevent chronic disease burden. But I realize that eating healthy patterns and eating just in general boils down to an individual choice. And oftentimes we have to live by those choices. You know, but because of the pressing disease burdens that we are seeing each and every day, we have to take action. We must do more and we have to do more. You know, my job as a physician is to effectively counsel my patients about general healthy eating patterns because I will fight for their life as hard as I can. And in essence, again, healthy eating patterns are a way of life. So that's my show today. I want to thank my guests. It's been a great time. I want to thank my uh, great guest, great good friend, uh, Dr. John Saran. Again, check him out. Board certified internal medicine physician. Uh, he's at Edward Hospital. Check him out, www.eehealth.org. He's also an affiliate physician with MDVIP. Check him out, www.mdvip.com. My good friend, Lisa Murphy, board certified advanced nurse practitioner, Endeavor Health Weight Management. Check her out as well, Edward Health, Elmer's Health, www.eehealth.org. Uh, great friend, Chrissy Chuparkoff, registered and licensed dietitian nutritionist. Check out on her LinkedIn, you know, linkedin.com slash n slash Chrissy Chuparkoff. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis, copyright 2020 by MDG Wellness LLC, all rights reserved. Stay tuned for my show next week. It's entitled The 411 on IBS. And again, if you enjoyed today's show, share it as much as you can. And of course, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace out.